Good evening. Welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. I am Kyle Bird. I am your co-host. I'm Matt Parmley. Um, and uh, it's good. It's good to be back. Um, and we are joined by uh, some of our pals who sh- should be no stranger to any any uh, listeners, lest this be your first episode. Um, we have our our friend. Trev, how you doing, Trev? I'm doing good. Do you think whenever the listeners hear me on here, they're like, oh, no, they're watching another shitty movie, aren't they? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't blame them, um, because usually when we have you, it's for something really stupid. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, if people want to hear more of uh, that, that soothing voice, you can hear Trev on the Failure to Franchise podcast and the Days of Future Past uh, Days nope. of Days of Future podcast, <laughs> X Men <laughs> podcast. Um, you got anything uh, interesting going on there that you want to plug? Uh, and Days of Future podcast are in the episodes we've got coming up. We're looking at uh, like a mini series I just did called Exterminators. That was like a Grindhouse X Men comic. And then we are also soon going to be locking in our casting choices for the MCU X Men movies. Ooh, we're, we did a thing where we were like. Taking, we're, we're putting it, it's always just guessing at this point, but we're locking in some choices and then we're going to see who's right, you know, two or three years down the line. Uh, and with Fear of the Franchise, um, by the time this comes out, we're probably getting ready to, you know, we just came off of the Pulp Frustration two-month event where we looked at Dick Tracy, The Rocketeer, The Shadow, and The Phantom, which for me was a lot of fun. And now I'm going to go insane because we're about to do Mike Mayer's where we're going to look at the cat in the hat and the love guru. Oh my so. God. What is, Oh God. Yeah. <sighs> Enjoy your slow death. <laughs> <laughs> were, both of those were supposed to be franchises. Yeah. Well, I mean, any Mike, they're, you know, coming off of Shrek and Austin Powers, they just feel like they felt yeah. like Mike Myers could, you know, Oh my God. Do it all. Yeah. That, this might be, that might be the one that finally, finally does it. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Um, and you may have heard our other friend Tom, who is a frequent uh, frequent guest host. Um, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Quite and, good. And people can catch you on the Final Forum Dragon Ball podcast. Anything going on there that we should know about? Um, we just did our. Well, I don't know about just because we're into late April or May now. We did our. Uh, March Madness tournament, and uh, so we're coming off of that and getting into um, General Blue, which is uh, from the early part of Dragon Ball. He is an interesting, to say the least, character with a lot of um, a lot of baggage, 
that comes with him um, in the way he's portrayed and comes across. So we uh, we don't shy away from those kinds of issues when it comes to Dragon Ball. And we'll just be continuing on with the Red Ribbon Army for a little bit. Um, we've recorded a bunch of episodes. I'm pretty excited for some of the stuff that we have uncovered and are getting into with regards to the end of that saga and then um, learning about Tien and some of those characters. I've, I've discovered some pretty interesting stuff. All right. Well, there you go. Um, so uh, we we don't have uh, an Asylum movie lined up, although we are, you know, gonna we're doing a double session tonight, so that's the other one course i thought this was the asylum one no anyway <laughs> so, in tom's defense it, it was unclear yeah i thought, I thought I, i'm with tom i thought we were doing well we, we you want to do the asylum or do you want to do the comic book i'm leaving all this in <laughs> I, I think we, we switch gears and go back to the comic book because that's not what i thought we were doing to begin with all right all right so we are uh <laughs> we're going to talk about the Godzilla versus the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic book which is a mini series uh from IDW who licenses Godzilla and Boom Studios who licenses Power Rangers through Hasbro um and uh this is from last year I believe yeah. Yeah, like this it is just from... finished fairly recently, though, didn't it? Yeah, I think the last issue was in like the fall, probably because I th- I remember it came out in the summer, and there's five of them. So, yeah, I think fall is when it finished. Um, and yeah, this is a uh, kind of surprisingly the first comic book review that we're doing on here. Um, and uh, it, it not for lack of me trying to do. Yes. Others. And, and, and honestly, the, I mean, uh, it is something that, I mean, ever since we started, Matt and I have been talking about, you know, wanting to get into comics. It's just like, um, you know, it's just been a matter of getting other things out of the way. And then uh, just being bombarded with new releases to cover here and there. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, we definitely want to go back. I know Matt and I especially want to go back to the Marvel and Dark Horse Godzilla runs. Um, and then, I mean, some of the IDW stuff. I mean, Godzilla in comics has been a, a, a strange beast. And so there's a lot of stuff that we will you know, get into in the future. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, even non-Godzilla, I mean, there's still, I mean, there's Kong comics and Ultraman comics and then other stuff like Trev's been talking about um, wanting to, to do other other kaiju comics. And it's, it's, all, it's all stuff that's on our radar. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, one of the nice things about a show like this is that it can just kind of just... There's enough stuff to kind of go on forever. Um, but yeah, Trev, just uh, real, real quick, I mean, maybe run through some of the, the comics you've put forward to us that, you know, because uh, I would like to get into, into those at some point. But uh, yeah, give some quick recommendations and, and stuff. Because you are like, uh, you're, you read more comics than anyone I know probably still. Um. Yeah, there's been like kind of this comes up because I've talked to Bird about how there's been kind of like a kaiju boom, not boom studios, but just a boom in 
kaiju books in comic in like the comic genre the last few years. Um, I mean, like two that come to mind just off the top of my head that I've talked to Bert about wanting to talk about on here is uh, Kaiju Score, of course, which has been two volumes of now. Um, that was from Aftershock. I believe they like didn't they sign a deal for like a movie or a show? Yeah, one of the some I don't remember which guy. Uh, one of the two main like John Wick guys was um, involved, I think. Um, that was a while ago, though. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, it'd be cool if it happens, but stuff like that falls mm-hmm. through the cracks so much. Yeah, that's basically just like a heist story that's going, like the heist is going on. It's a, you know, it'd be like a heist movie, but it's going on during a kaiju attack on a city. Um, that's a really cool one. And then I read one that I quite enjoyed, I thought it was pretty cool, called Big Girls, which is uh, obviously kind of, you know, like a more feminist kind of kaiju thing where, um, like men are be, men are starting to become giant monsters, so they have to figure out a way to make women giant as well to to fight them. Um, that was a fun book, but yeah, there's been like a lot of kaiju stuff. Like Bird, uh, kind of like asked me if I'd ever read Kaiju Max, which I had never really done. And that's the started... one. That's the one that gets brought us. Aside from like any Godzilla comics and stuff, that's the one that gets brought up to us all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I did dive into that, and I yeah, it, it's really fun. I can see why people. It's not like my favorite of what I read. But I can see why people are, you know, I, it, it's very easy to see why it would attract a, a loyal fan base. And then there's, I guess, one more title throughout. There's others, but another uh, recent one from Dark Horse, which was pretty fun. And I think it's like in its second volume now is Jenny Zero, which is about like um, she's a, she's kind of like a kaiju killer. She like is you know she pilots the the craft to take out the kaiju, but she's like this like hard drinking, hard partying character. So that's a really fun one as well. What about Monsters Unleashed? That's like a Marvel one. You know, oddly, um, I didn't read a lot of that. Like, um, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, I didn't, uh, for whatever reason, um, I just didn't get that into it. So Yeah, I've just read one because, um, as everyone on here knows, but I don't think I've ever mentioned on a podcast anywhere, my son and I, my son got really into Miles Morales, and we spent the past year and a half reading every mainline Miles Morales book and Champions book and a bunch of the crossovers he's in. Basically anything where he's actually in it and not like if he just like swings through the background. Um, And that was one of the things. It was like tied into Monsters Unleashed and it was like a giant monster that the champions had to fight off. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a super championsy kind of book, but it was a pretty... That issue was pretty giant monstery and pretty action heavy. Trev, did you also put your name in the hat for uh, when we do the Marvel Godzilla run? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just <laughs> that's a, that's a, like, I thought you volunteered, but I, I I volunteered you anyway. I guess there's a lot of it, right? That's my only like. It's like uh, it's like thirty issues. Yeah, it's not too bad. Right, I might skim uh, some of them, but yeah, I'll do it. Um. I, I mean, I haven't read the the Marvel and Dark Horse stuff. I I really haven't read since I was a kid. I definitely so. read, yeah, I was gonna say I've, I definitely read some of the Dark Horse stuff when I was younger. Yeah, um, that there but, was like the Al- Alex Cox did one of the stories. I think that was a time travel one for Dark Horse. My uh, my son and I actually read through the the one collection of Dark Horse stuff, the one that came out that was in black and white. How does it hold up? <laughs> Not bad, honestly. Okay. 
I mean, I mean, if nothing else, I'll still maintain. I mean, I, I haven't I haven't read a lot of the IDW stuff, but you know, from what I've seen, like the quick glances I've taken at that, I will still say that Art Adams is the best oh, Godzilla yeah. artist. Oh god, oh yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there's there's other artists that I like now, but I he's still like he's still great. Um, I read I read the, that Dark Horse stuff in the midst of reading some of the IDW entries, and, and compared to. There's a couple of those that are really good, but compared to most of those, it's it it is just head and shoulders above. Frankly, yeah. well, the IDW stuff. I mean, this and this can like segue into our our bigger our main topic here. But the IDW stuff has been weird. I, I mean, it's been const. It's like a ongoing like just stream of titles. Um, and there, there was like the mainline book, which was at first called what Kingdom of Monsters. Then it was just called Godzilla. Then it was Rulers of Earth, um, and I don't know. The title changes like there's a different regime, but it's like the same basic like through line story. And that stuff was honestly kind of like I don't know. Even Kingdom of Monsters got everything off on a rocky start. That was uh, where they had Eric Powell. Um, who had some really good ideas in there, but it, it and I mean the the main problem I think, and I don't know why this you know may or may not tie into my opinion later, uh, because I did Dark Horse and Marvel when they had the license they could only use Godzilla they they couldn't use any other monsters, um, and Toho you know even with the legendary stuff it's like for each monster there's a price tag right. Um, the whatever they worked out with IDW is a little bit different than that in that they kind of had free reign to use any monsters. And so it's it's been really kind of like um I I think Kid playing th- with action figures. Yeah, the, the fact that they have like the entire Toho monster roster I think has really just kind of made the IDW stuff like like you said kids playing with monster toys like the there's just like anytime there's an interesting story going on, it never gets a chance to really mean anything because then it's like six monsters fighting Godzilla, and you know it's not a movie, so there's not a budgetary, you know, there's no CG budget or suit budget or anything like that. So like each each issue would have like a billion monsters, and um, the Eric Powell stuff, I really like. There was a really mean spirited uh, cynicism to a lot of it that I was really digging, but none of it really meant anything that could hold on in any meaningful way. Um, and that carried through. I know the fandom really likes the later, uh, I guess, variant of that ongoing, which was Rulers of Earth, which was better, but. Um, Again, it was just like there's a million monsters here, and that's all that's going on. Um, and uh, the I and I tried to stay on top of these when they came out, but like I said, it's just there's just been so many that I just kind of threw my hands up and was like, well, if if one of these sounds interesting, I'll check it out. Other than that, you know, I'm I'm done doing Godzilla comics out of obligation. Um, but the miniseries have have been interesting, um, and and that's where m- probably the better stuff has come. The one that I think everyone should check out, and I think Trev years ago, I think you even asked me like, "Hey, I actually heard this was good. Should I check it out?" And I and I said yes. Half Century War. 
That's a really good one. Um, yeah, it's a fun one. And uh, there's another one called Gangsters and Goliaths, which is like a, a, a gangster story on Monster Island that's, that's fun. And then um, Godzilla in Hell I like, too, because it's, each issue is like, a, it's like an anthology, and each issue is just really strange. Um, yeah. The, that one, of, the, of those three, that one for me, even though it's got like some of the coolest artwork and some of the most ambitious stories, it also has, for me, the, the lowest moment of any of those three things where there's like, there's a whole issue that just reads, and I think it's, it was written by, um, boy, was it written by Bob Eggleton? Was there, it was written by someone... Um, and the whole issue is just like fan fiction, fan service of how awesome Godzilla is. (laughs) Well, you're, yeah, you get that a lot with these comic books. Um, one that was cool was, uh, Godzilla Legends where it was like a one shot and I think there were like five of them. Not all of them were that great, but there were a couple that were really interesting, um, and, yeah, I think the only one of those fun. I ever read was was Angerus versus Destroyer. That one was fun, but I there's a ti- I like the Titanosaurus one a lot. Um, and then yeah, I, I mean I haven't been keeping up on uh, any of the other stuff. Um, like I said, if a title sounds interesting, I'll I might check it out. But like right now, there's the one uh, Monsters and Protectors, which is like Godzilla, like uh, like he's friends with like a bunch of tweens. And like it just feels it just like I've seen pages from it. It just looks like it was written by like a sixty year old trying to appeal to like a middle school age group. And that it's current, like the current one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that called? Again? Monsters oh, and Protectors. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, that, every every line is like, oh, I was looking at my TikTok. <laughs> it's like that. Stuff that's like, that. like one of those. It's like it's for younger audiences. Like it's specifically is for yeah. a young audience. And then I think and, there's I think there's a one the shot. I'm sorry, one. like this is one of those, you know, you talk about Art Adams is the is the best Godzilla uh artist. This is Monsters and Protectors is um is it the worst? It's it's up there or down there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wanna... It's pretty bad. <laughs> um who is someone like beating up uh like a Pillow or something? Someone's like scrolling on their laptop. <laughs> Aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, I think is Rival still going? That's the one where it is a one shot and yeah. each one is like two monsters against each other. Um, I haven't read any of that, but I think. Um, but uh, <laughs> so, some of the stuff is like super weird though. Like there's a one where Rodan and Ibera get stuck in an elevator. What? You don't remember what? this? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> um, I read the I read the Ghidorah one, and that one was like bizarre. Um, I kind of forget how it even went, but it wasn't very good. And then did I did I also read the Hedra one? I read I, I can't remember which other one I read. It might have been the Hedra one. That was like was that the one that was like bragged about how it was for like the fiftieth anniversary of the movie, right? I don't know, maybe. On the cover. Um, that one, I think it's that one. I felt like I picked it up and looked at it, and the art was frankly so bad that I was like, I don't even care if it's a good story. It's, like, hideous. 
Okay, so I have it here. Um, Godzilla Rivals Rodan versus Abira. <laughs> I, I just have to read this uh, description here. Um, hundreds of kilometers above Tokyo orbits the Parasol Science Facility, connected to terra firma by a massive space elevator. Together, two incredible feats of uh, engineering and international cooperation. But when the subdued kaiju Rodan and Ibera arrive at the lab's mysterious Section X, all of that threatens to come crashing down literally when the pair escape their confines and tear into each other. With the two titans locked in battle and plummeting to to Earth down the space elevator shaft, it's up to a team of scientists to stop them before their velocity is truly terminal for them and for humanity. What in the living hell? <laughs> I almost no. want to read it because it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Pass. I would watch a I would watch a movie that was uh, Ebera and Rodan stuck in an elevator like in that um that Shyamalan produced movie Devil. Devil. I, I was gonna say, are they gonna have like uh, flashbacks, like every like a Rashomon thing, like how every sitcom <laughs> seemed to do that in the nineties? Um, the weirdest Godzilla comic book still is probably Godzilla versus Charles Barkley, which I still have. Godzilla like just got busy, or whatever that line is from the comic book. Yeah, it's when he's practicing. Uh, after he loses at basketball. <laughs> um, anyway, Bert, uh, Bert, I know it. Like lately, you've been like, because you hate when movies do like um, memes, like put memes into movies, software yeah, memes. Yep, that's one of my pet peeves. Are you just like waiting for Charles Barkley to cameo in like one of the MonsterVerse movies? Oh my god, I could see them doing something like that too. No, don't give them ideas, Chad. <laughs> please. <laughs> Um, I, he'd be better than ninety percent of the characters they've had. I mean, Charles them. Barkley is awesome, but. <laughs> I don't know if anybody watches the NBA or anything, but his commentary is hilarious. I want Charles Barkley to just walk into a MonsterVerse movie, look dead-ass into the camera, and be like, terrible, terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Just walk away. So Godzilla vs. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, um, a crossover that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of wanting. Yeah. and uh, it finally happened in comic book form. Um, uh, and Power Rangers, uh, especially the original Mighty Morphin run, is, I don't know, everyone's talking about it because obviously, you know, losing Jason, Jason David Frank and then, um, you know, the, that Netflix uh, reunion special just dropped today, which we'll, we'll talk about, you know, in the near future. Um, so it's kind of something that's on everyone's mind. Um, but yeah, we've been planning this episode for much longer than probably either of those <laughs> events. Um, it's just we're finally getting around to it. So this is um, uh, written by uh, Cullen Bunn with art by Freddie E. Williams II, colors by Andrew Dalhouse. Letters by Joanna Natalie. Um, Trev, you're a, a funny book guy. Uh, anything we should know about these folks that uh, stands out? Well, I feel like at this point, Tom can also probably speak to Cullen Bunn a little bit, but uh, but mm-hmm. I, I'm a I'm a fan of Cullen Bunn for sure. Um, he's done some good like character or uh, like uh, creator own stuff um, for like Oni Press uh, things like the Six Gun. Um, but uh, I kind of 
I'm trying to remember like what I would have come to him first on. I don't know what, about that, but I for me when I think about him, especially with Marvel, I kind of tend to lean towards he did this amazing Magneto uh, solo title back in like 2014, 2015. If anyone's an X Men fan and particularly likes Magneto, you owe it to yourself to pick up the four trades of that. It's just an incredible, incredible uh, story about Magneto. And then he was also like a primary Deadpool author for quite a while. And he did uh, like a bunch of miniseries. Like, and he did like Night of the Living Deadpool and uh, like Return of the Living Deadpool. Um, Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. So he was like one of the, you know, I'm, I'm pretty hit and miss with Deadpool comics, as I think you guys all know. Like I find that character to be sometimes aggravating and sometimes actually amusing. It really depends on the writer. And I think Colin Bond was one of the, the better Deadpool writers of the past, uh, of this like modern era. But he's done a lot of work for Marvel, DC. He's just one of those guys. Like if you look at his bibliography, he's kind of all over the place. He's written... Captain America, he's written some Spider-Man, he's done some X-Men stuff. Uh, for DC, he's written, like, Superman, Batman. He did the Sinestro book um, for a while. Uh, he wrote some Lobo. Uh, that's kind of, he did the New 52 Lobo, which is, like, a different version of the character, but still. Yeah, he's he's a, he's definitely a known name. Um, he's definitely one of the, the heavy hitters. And then even, like, in this, like, media tie-in world, I know he's, for Dynamite, he wrote, uh, like, some of the Army of Darkness comic book as well. So... Um, yeah, he did. He did a bunch of uh, Agent Venom. Yeah, which is a lot of people's like, like top top or upper tier like Venom stuff. Um, so I know I know he did a bunch of that. He did uh, a couple of the. He did the um, the Monsters Unleashed, which I read uh, one or two something issues of, and it actually like it was fun it was uh just a like very brief like very action oriented but um kind of one of those things you know if you if you don't read a lot of comics and you're sometimes nervous and scared about like where to pick up because you you know well i haven't read in 15 years i don't know who's been dead and come back to life 15 times since then um, Monsters Unleashed was one where if you have like a passing familiarity with all the characters that he used in there, you could kind of pick it up and enjoy it. Um, those are like kind of the two things I have come across him the most in is, is he did some some like champions adjacent stuff. And then, um, yeah, he did he did a bunch of Agent Venom, which is yeah. there's some good, really good stuff in Agent Venom. And sorry, I just realized, too, that I should mention, especially for horror fans, which I know we all are, I can't believe I didn't mention to me what is my favorite book by him. Uh, for Dark Horse, he did a great horror book called Harrow County. Um, and I had some spinoffs like Tales from Harrow County and stuff. But if anybody is, like, super into horror, and particularly horror comic books, and, Bert, I think you've heard me say that, like, I think horror is just, like, having this amazing, like, boom period in comics right now. Yeah. Um, but Harrow County is is just an incredible book. It's like this uh, small southern town, and this uh, young girl learns that she might be the reincarnation of kind of this infamous witch that's part of the town's folklore. And then also, I forgot about this, but he is also the author of the original graphic novel, The Empty Man which was oh. adapted into the movie that everybody except bird likes. So, <laughs> uh, it's true. Um, he also wrote, uh, this is, isn't his first Godzilla either. He did uh, one called Godzilla cataclysm, um, which is one that I actually haven't read, but, uh, I read that one. Um, I will give you my extremely brief review. Cause this is all I wrote in Goodreads is, one of the better entries into IDW's Godzilla run, though that's a relatively low bar. 
Cataclysm is about the end of the world, except it's already happened and humanity is just trying to exist in a monster-ruined but monster-free world. This could have been great, I think, but some of the ideas are a little half-baked in favor of having a few extra kaiju pop up and making Godzilla look more quote-unquote badass, <sighs> and that detracts from the overall thing. So the, the typical IDW Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it's still, like, it, it definitely is better than, like, I read Oblivion, and that was, like, hot garbage. Um, it was better than, like, the mainline books, um, you know, the the Kingdom of Monsters and the, the just Godzilla one. I think probably just by virtue of just being kind of shorter. And it was, like, less, less hit and miss than some of the Legend stuff and definitely than the Rivals and... Way better than anything those those tie into the movies books have done. It would be cool if I, I think the only official translation they've done to any of the Japanese Godzilla manga was the the adaptation for the eighty four movie. But I know the Godzilla manga. There's all kinds of crazy shit. Um, even going back to like the fifties, they were doing insane things. But I guess, I don't know, that would probably have some licensing fee that, you know, someone like IDW would have to shell out when, you know, I don't know, it's probably cheaper just to make their own, their own stuff. I think Cataclysm was the one where I was really enjoying it, and then in, like, the fourth issue of Five, like, they had a weird thing where, like, Biollante just kind of showed up, like, kind of out of nowhere, just to have a moment where Godzilla, like, blasted Biollante, and I was like, eh, could have, like... (laughs) could have, like done something with the story on that one but everything else in it was was pretty good and then and then bird you asked me to like speak to like any of these guys and again i'll kind of turn it to tom here because oddly enough the artist freddie e. williams the second tom and i probably both know him from something that has nothing to do with art mostly <laughs> is that he's i know tom and i are both huge fans of the youtube channel red letter media um and he's like a fairly frequent guest on there he's he's friends with them and he's been on their best of the worst and he he comes in and does, does some reviews with them i know his big claim to fame in the comic world is drawing the batman meets the teenage mutant ninja turtles comics which i've never read i saw the animated movie they made of the first one and i thought it was pretty fun but i've, I've never read those actual books but i know he was the artist on those and i think that's his claim to fame so it seems like maybe he is like a crossover media tie-in kind of guy this this was i'm pretty sure this is my first time actually reading a, a book with his art hmm. yeah i don't think i've ever encountered his art previously but yeah i, I he was bad. actually just recently on an episode yeah of best of the worst where he drew from from memory a bunch of pictures of rich evans as like a kid that uh, they claimed they wouldn't ever put online mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so uh, let's get into uh, this this comic here. Um, and uh, there's something uh, I wanna I wanna really bring up towards the end, um, just about I don't know kaiju comics in general uh, that I think will be interesting. So I want to give that time. So let's kind of uh, blow through a plot synopsis here. Um, do I have any volunteers? It's pretty simple, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean it's it's really it's just an excuse to get these all these characters together. Um, the Green Ranger is investigating something at like a temple that Rita is doing, and gets sucked into an alternate dimension. She's she's playing around with this crystal. I forget the name of it. It doesn't matter. 
this crystal that allows her to go to other dimensions. It's called the her multiversal to focus. Tom. Okay. I like Tom's better. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Her plan is to go to a dimension where the Power Rangers don't exist so that she can easily conquer the dimension. She goes to another dimension. Sure enough, the Power Rangers do not exist there, but of course Godzilla does. She comes in in the middle of a battle between Godzilla and it's Megalon, I think. And she's like, great, this place has monsters. I'll just take them over. The Exilians are there and they, like, abduct her into their ship and they're like, yeah, it's not easy to take over these monsters. They don't, they don't just like listen to you. And she's like, what? That's dumb. What kind of <laughs> monsters don't just listen to you. <laughs> and then, you know, meanwhile, the green Ranger sees Godzilla. I think he, you know, is, is try recently triumphant over Megalon. The green Ranger sees him and obviously assumes that's one of Rita's monsters calls the dragon Zord and Godzilla and the dragon Zord fight. And, Meanwhile, Rita then like also kidnaps the Green Ranger. She has this little plan that she's going to try and make him evil again. Zordon sends our other five Rangers into the dimension to go try and rescue the Green Ranger. The Megazord fights Godzilla. Then, um, you know, they sort of battle each other quite a bit until they're both kind of injured, such that the Exilians call in like Gigon and Kumonga and Kamakaris and Rita sends out I guy and Goldar and the, I don't know if the rhinoceros has a name, but rhinoceros man. <laughs> and, um, you know, chaos ensues. Godzilla looks like he's against the ropes. They call in Gidra to try and finish him off. And then, um, the, Megazord and Godzilla have to put aside their differences to work together to defeat the Exilians, the enemy monsters, Rita, and you could probably guess how it goes. It's a Rhino Blaster, by the way. The okay. And Scorpina I, ends up taking, like, becoming uh, kaiju size as well. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really it's really just an excuse to get. A, an issue where Godzilla fights the Dragon Zord, an issue where he fights the Megazord, and then yeah. a couple team-up issues. One thing I wouldn't call this miniseries is plot-heavy. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, there's so many monsters, I, they, I feel like they... I'm even looking through it right now. There's so many monsters, I think they just forget about some of them. Like, the Trev favorite, Megagirus, shows up. As I was saving that, I was gonna say he shows up five out of five. <laughs> yeah. My review is done. <laughs> and then, and then, like I, I don't think we ever see what happens there. <laughs> no, I think Megagirus just disappears because he just realized he's too good for this. So. <laughs> she, you're misgendering Megagirus. Sorry, fake Megagirus fan. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, the <laughs> yeah, each issue really is just uh, a just just monsters fighting um i i don't know i'm i'm a little uh torn on what anyone should expect out of this because it's like 
I don't know. I I don't know. I don't want to be the asshole here, so I don't know. Maybe someone there's, else go ahead and some, <laughs> give it. Certainly, the- <laughs> my initial impression, and and it, I mean, I wound up buying all five of them, so I think that should tell you something because I was, I bought the first two without even reading them, and then I bought the third one, and then I did finish it off. So I didn't just you know wait for my library to get, to get it in which my library tends to get a lot of comics in. It's pretty cool, actually. Um, I I didn't stop buying them. It was enough for me to, to keep going. There's some cheap fun to be had, especially, I feel, early on. When it's, you know, um, when it's stuff like Rita figuring out that, like, the, the Toho kaiju, like, can't be controlled by spells and things... And the, the 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 when you get into the real like clashing of differences between the the Power Rangers universe and the the Godzilla universe, where you know the Power Rangers will like taunt Godzilla or a Godzilla monster, and they'll just roar and they'll be like, "Oh, this one's not much of a talker, huh?" So like a lot of that kind of stuff is fun, but there's maybe just not quite enough of it, and then there really is like. Like Trev said, not only is it not plot heavy, there seem to be plot threads that just like the plot threads just kind of get lost. Like we mentioned, um, Megagirus like just disappears. The whole thing with potentially turning Tommy evil, um, that like never amounts to anything. <laughs> they just, just keep talking about it and then he escapes. Yeah. That yeah. felt more like a callback than anything else. Yeah. But it's just so, poorly executed. So what, what this feels like and I had I had enough fun with it. It's okay. But what it really feels like is it's a Godzilla comic and a Power Rangers comic for people who have not read the comics or really watched the movies or shows of either one of these in kind of a while. It it definitely feels it's very fan fictiony. Um, and Bird said earlier, or someone said, like the idea of like children just smashing action figures together. That's definitely how this reads. Um, like Bird said, it's like I don't know what the expectation is for a book like this. Um, I think like its its best attribute is as an art piece. Like I said, this is my first time seeing Freddie Williams' art. Like in, it's like you know in a in a comic as opposed to just some single images. I'm not a huge fan of the way he draws the Power Rangers out of their costumes. Um, it's like a cartoony style that I don't think is like very indicative of the actors or just to me, like the actual look of those characters. But everything with them in their costume and everything with the kaiju and Godzilla and the, and the fights, like that art is pretty great, I think. And what this really kind of reminds me of is, you know, when you go to a Comic-Con, there are people, there are artists who just have booths and there are vendors who just sell prints. And a lot of the prints are always these kind of these crossovers you would never see, right? Like Godzilla versus Freddy Krueger or something, or you know, Superman fighting Frasier. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but like whatever. It's like they can do whatever, right? And that's what this and that's what a lot of this book feels like. Is it's just like, well, here's a chance for me to draw Godzilla fighting the Megazord. And those splash pages are really cool. Like they look like art I would hang up. But the story holding it all together is so thin. And it did get to be, you know, around issue three when it's when it really crystallized to me that we're just locked into a fight for the rest of this miniseries. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I started to, it's, I started to tap out on it a little bit. And I mean, I, I read it all cause like, why not? But I wouldn't call it the most exciting. And I know Bird said he has a point he wants to make about kaiju comics in general. And that kind of, you probably know where I, I'm going with that. Cause it's something well, you've it said just, to me a lot. Is it that just like, it's, it's hard for kaiju fights to be exciting. Y- right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it's not. They, obviously, they don't have the same visceral thrill as they do when you're watching them in live action. So that's what I mean. Like, a single image can look cool as like an art piece, but when you start trying to string it together into a fight, it's just it's really not the same. And if that's all the book is, like, that's fine if that's just a piece of the book. So, but if we could have actually had a storyline here, and if we could have more scenes with the Power Rangers out of costume and some kind of storyline with them, and then every once in a while getting back to the Godzilla stuff, that would have been better. So this just gets to be a little. Um, I don't know. A little tedious, I would say. Tedious is the main word I'd use for it. The only, th- the one thing with the art itself, this is something that that has stuck out in my mind since reading it. Like my, like you know, yeah, I, I get what you're. I'm flipping through it now, and I'm, I get your point about like the the human Power Ranger characters don't look like the actors at all. Well, I mean, um, there, you know, there's a reason, a real reason well, but, for that. But even beyond, but, but no, but beyond likeness rights, they don't even look like, they're just not indicative of like the spirit of those characters. I don't think they look, there's a certain cartoonish, uh, cartoonish to them that I'm not a huge fan of. The thing that, the thing that kept getting to me, and I don't know if this is just, this is just, um, uh, Freddie Williams is like decision, or if this is something that's done in power Ranger comics a lot. Cause this is, there are tons of Power Ranger comics. They he kept like showing one of their eyes inside yeah. the mask. I found that I did not care for that. <laughs> Every time they showed it, I kind of forgot. It made me, it made me think the mask was broken. Uh, the visor yeah. was shattered. That's what it kept looking like. Hmm. Uh, all right, I, I want to go last. So yeah, Matt, I want to let's let's. I read hear, so I read this with Landon and. Like, I, I guess the question that I have to ask myself is who is it the audience for? And if it's for younger kids, you know, like if I, if I put myself in Landon's shoes and I say, like, one of my one of my core childhood memories is when I was uh, in daycare, like in 1993, and they roll out the tube TV on Fox. And during one of the commercials, they have like the original Power Rangers uh, commercials because I was like enthralled as a kid with all the different swords and stuff. And so, I mean, like. As a comic book, there wasn't much substance. I feel like each one took like three minutes to read, even with Landon. Um, but it's got delivers Power Rangers. Like, well, how, I mean, I uh, this—I don't know. I mean, he's—he's—he's he's, he's really young still. But I mean, like, how did he? Uh, how did he, he was take into to it? it? I yeah. mean, like, it wasn't like his favorite thing ever, but he was definitely into it. But if I put myself in his shoes, I would like—I would have been cool with mm-hmm. with the comic. I could book. see this being a thing that gets a kid into comic books. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, I mean, it's super, super easy to read. And like, there's not a ton going on. I, I actually really enjoyed the art itself. Um, I, I do agree that there's a paper thin plot and obviously Megagiris disappears for no, no reason. <laughs> At least that I can remember, but I, I thought it was some secret place. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was fun. Like, it's not my favorite Godzilla comic, but I mean, I, I think for what it is and for the audience, I'm it's good. Um. Also, there one of the covers has Miss Namikawa on it, who is a fan favorite character, and she is nowhere to be found in this. 
Um, one of the alternate covers, though. Yeah, it might be. It might be. I just know it's one. It's one that I bought. So I, I don't know. I wasn't paying too much attention to what the alternates and all no, that it, stuff. It's the main cover for issue two. It's the cover A for issue two. They're playing with us. Um. All right. Yeah. I. Um. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, uh, you guys aren't too far off from me. I mean, I. I don't want to. I don't know. Like I said earlier, it's like I don't want to be the asshole here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I found it to be a fairly (laughs) underwhelming experience. Um, the, I did like some stuff. I, I liked the interaction between, you know, the, the aliens and, you know, Rita. I mean, I, I thought that was, you know, fun stuff, especially, you know, Kevin grown up with that old Monster Zero dub. I'm reading it in the controller's voice and like you know i i he's got that you know kind of sarcastic tone in that dub and so for me that was able to come through that way um yeah i mean i i think the biggest it's weird you know growing up reading the marvel and and dark horse godzilla comics you know you were always like man it's kind of a bummer they can't you know instead of using mecha godzilla they got to use like cybersaur or whatever and then you know when you see what then when you you see what happens when they have free reign to just include every monster at a whim their whim and you know i think a lot of the, the 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 people they get to um be in charge of these uh, titles or even write them are, are Godzilla fans. And so that's when it, that's when you get to that fan for me, that's when you get to that fan fiction level where it feels more like just, you know, some it, and I say that as, you know, it, it feels, it just, I don't know, fan fiction. We're using it as a dirty word here, even though I recognize it's not inherently bad or destructive, but I think when we use it that way, it's because fans fall into the temptation where, okay, uh, I can use every monster. Like, that's very tempting. <laughs> um, and that's where you just get these comics that are just a million monsters every five pages. And that that's, doesn't begin, begin or end with this one. Um, but then, yeah, I, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like I, if I go too hard at it, it's like, am I being the asshole? Like, this is an interesting conversation to be having now about this, while in the outside world, there's a sort of similar conversation happening with the Mario movie, which is like the biggest movie on earth right now, and there's this divide of like, well, what what were you expecting from a Mario movie? You know, because uh, I haven't seen the movie yet, I actually think that's probably something we're going to be doing tomorrow. You know, uh, wish me luck. Um, but it's well, what are you expecting for a Mario movie? It should just be like brisk, as simple as possible, bright colors, funny voices, and stuff like that. And then on the critic side, it's well, you know, we've seen how, how kids' movies can be more. And it's like I, with that conversation fresh in my mind, is like I'm kind of thinking about this comic book, um, and like yeah, I mean the primary audience is probably kids, you know, Landon, Matt's son, or Julia, my daughter, like, or, or you know Tom's kids, like all we all have kids in the same age range, um, 
and uh, yeah, it, you know, it's like they're probably going to like it. Maybe that even gets them into comic books. Maybe that gets them into Godzilla. Maybe it gets them into Power Rangers. But it's like I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's okay, but like I don't I don't want to be the asshole for pointing out like, hey, you know, there's you could have had something a lot more special here also. So it's well, like the you know, Mario dilemma is is in my head. Well, can I throw a little wedge into that that kind of speaks to the Yeah, Mario I have a, yeah, I, and I I you you have seen the Mario movie, so no, 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 I, well, and this just to I didn't I wasn't even going to bring up Mario, but this would actually speak to that as well because with Mario the same question is, well, who is the target audience for Mario? Is it kids or is it should it also be kids and adults because obviously adults have a lot of affinity for for Mario um from their past. And I was just thinking, like, scrolling through this book again and us talking about it, and, and Bird, you keep saying, and you guys are saying, well, this is a book that might get kids into comics, and you're saying this, you know, we should just remember this is a book for kids. But then I'm thinking about the whole ID, or sorry, Boom Studios, Power Rangers comic line, and hey, if this is for kids, why is it the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Why is it Tommy, Billy, Kimberly? Mm-hmm. That's not the Power Rangers kids know, right? Like, all the comics for Power Rangers are the Power Rangers from when we were kids. yeah. So I would say, honestly, these comic books are probably meant to be more nostalgic, and they're really aiming for an older audience who remembers these characters. Like, there's a reason every Boom Studio yeah. Power Rangers book seems to be about the original Power Rangers and not it, whatever the modern It is characters. interesting, right, that those are kind of... I mean, this this is probably a conversation that's best saved for when we talk about, when we do our episode on the, that reunion special, but it is interesting that for something that's lasted as long as Power Rangers, whenever they go back, it's always to the Mighty Morphin stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, f- my experience as a kid is, like, once Mighty Morphin was over and they got into, what, Zeo, and they replaced all the villains I liked with, you know, those lame clock people or whatever, <laughs> you know, that's when I kind of kind of hopped out of Power Rangers. But I didn't think that... But it, it almost seems like that's everyone my age is, Yeah, like, well, that's what I mean, because, like, we mentioned the whole storyline with Rita trying to, like, turn Tommy bad again, and Matt said that's probably just a callback. Yeah. But, like, that's a callback for us. That's not a callback for kids. Yeah, it's... it's it's Yeah, I mean, that that's a, a conversation we can continue when we, we talk about that special. But it is, it is interesting that, like, that is, like, when people think Power Rangers... They don't think Zeo, they don't think Turbo, they don't think uh, RPM, you know, Dino Fury, well, where whatever. Where do you even find, where do you find those shows today? Because well, I know. Netflix. Yeah, it's like all on Netflix. Okay, because I was going to say, I don't know how how up to date this is, but like I know Mighty Morphin was on Netflix. It all, like the entire like franchise is on Netflix. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure if everything is still there, but for many years it was like everything was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when they reboot it with the movie, it's, you know, it's, it's that core group <clears throat> of characters. It's, it's interesting that this has, has become kind of, I don't know, in the pop cult, unless you're a fan of the franchise, it's almost like Power Rangers sort of began and ended at Mighty Morphin. It's weird. And look, not to be that guy, but, uh, like if we're talking about like Power Rangers, like continuity and, and rules, can I say something that was like bothering me a little bit reading the comic, and if it, like, it got to you guys as well? Um, whenever they call the Zords in this, they seem to just like materialize out of the Power Rangers' bodies. Aren't I right in that the Zords would actually like come out of like the Earth? Yeah, yeah depending like, on, depending on the show. I know when they yeah. with Mighty Morphin, they, yeah. that was definitely the case, right? So I was thinking, okay, I, not to be like I, they didn't ask me to write this book, <laughs> and we're talking <laughs> about like fan fiction, and if I had the fan fiction capabilities, because we're well, this actually goes to what Bird was saying about how. 
when you have a book that like this that's so fan fiction-y and it's just like we want to get to the monsters, we want to get to the fights, you can tell that they were just like, well, what do people want to see from Godzilla versus Power Rangers? They want to get to the Godzilla versus Zord fight as quickly as possible. And I was just thinking, well, wouldn't it be more interesting if, if you know if they're deposited in this other universe? What if they like couldn't call on their Zords because their Zords aren't there? And so you actually have a couple issues where they're just the Power Rangers having a deal in this like, you know, just in their small form in the world of Godzilla. And then they actually find Mechagodzilla, and it's about how they use Mechagodzilla as their Zord. And then you could eventually bring it over to the, like their world, and then finally pull out the actual like Dragon Zord and Megazord. So it's like I look at—I know I'm just writing fan fiction right now too, but at least I'm trying to be like a little bit more interesting than this book is doing. I'd read that. Yeah, <laughs> I. Well, that's where I get back to my initial impression was that this felt like it was for people who like Godzilla and Power Rangers casually and haven't really kept up with either in 20 plus years mm-hmm. because that's what this is. This is a whole lot of like, Hey, here's a whole bunch of Godzilla monsters and here's a whole bunch of Power Rangers stuff that you like, aha, get it, get it. Remember Rita uses spells to control her monsters, but you can't do that with Godzilla. Like, cause that's never been a thing. Ha ha ha. You know, like it's, it's like, and and I don't know that it did a very good job of, of appealing even to those people because I remember when this was – and part of this could be that it was not released the best. It took them seven months to release five issues, um, not the best release. I know like two of them came out and then I think the third one got delayed and like they never told anyone. Like people went to their <laughs> local. Sh- I remember seeing posts on like Facebook, people like yeah. went to their local comic shops and went to go look for the issue and couldn't find it. And we're like, I can't find the issue at my local shop. And then like they went online and just happened to like, they happened to read that it was pushed back a month or six weeks or something. And like, they just never made an announcement to that effect. <laughs> um, but also, when this was announced, got a bit of buzz, and people were like, I don't want to say like excited, excited, because I think everyone immediately tempers their excitements a little bit when they find out that it's going to be like a five to six or whatever issue miniseries in the in a comic run on something like this. But people were relatively excited, and then after that first couple issues, after the third one got pushed back, I like never heard anything about this again and it just seemed like interest just died off like people got those two issues maybe probably didn't read them right away then cracked them open and read them before that third one came out eventually like a month and a half later and they were like oh okay (laughs) well yeah i mean that makes sense too even if like it had been on time because it's just like we said like once you get a few issues in you start to realize this is this book is a a one-trick pony Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 hard to maintain that same level of excitement all the way through there's what five i honestly think if 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 i think that momentum could have kept up with people getting it you know issue by issue if it was just four maybe even three i don't because it in the, I don't know about in the Power Rangers circles at all, but in the Godzilla circles, people still talk about Godzilla in Hell. People still talk about um, the Legends books. I, I feel like, and people still talk about like Rulers of Earth. Yeah. I feel like those are Gangsters the, the and three people talk about. Yeah, 
I feel like those those three, like Godzilla in Hell, Rulers of Earth, and uh, the Legends stuff, and the the ongoing rivals, I would say, like the four that people still actually talk about, and then like the other stuff that's in there will get brought up because people are talking actively about like Godzilla in Hell, but like those ones made an impact and people talk about them. This I haven't heard anything about since issue. Well, this was two also a big deal because, like I said, this is probably a crossover a lot of people have been thinking up since they were kids, and um, and it was also kind of unexpected because Toho has has almost been like allergic to crossovers unless it's like they've. I mean, King Kong they wanted to do something that ever since the '60s they were trying to get back with King Kong. So that one was like okay, I they finally got their wish. But uh, with this, it was all it was always like you know that really wasn't their their thing, especially after like, I mean the Marvel Godzilla run is unique in that it was it took place in the main Marvel universe. But you know the, Toho's always been weird about you know who who they want Godzilla to cross over with. That's why, like, there really hasn't been any Godzilla versus Gamera or Godzilla well, versus it. Ultraman or, you know, because they're very peculiar about that. Toho tends to look down on... They're weird about it. They, they tend to look <laughs> down on any uh, competitive kaiju project product that is not Kong, right? Like, they have, a, they have an attitude about both simultaneously, like, not caring what... Uh, Katakawa does with Gamera, but then also getting really pissy when they find <laughs> out that there's like a really good Blu-ray coming out of a of a Gamera yeah, thing. They're, um, they're funny, yeah. <laughs> they have like this weird. They they'll never do a Gamera thing, and they'll like you would have kind of thought because Godzilla or not Godzilla because Power Rangers is like is like Toei ultimately kind of. Um, that they just would also have never done anything with that because it's sort of like, it's sort of like acknowledging that a competitive product is on Godzilla's level. Yeah, yeah. It was it was so, it was a weird it was it was a weird drop uh, for sure. Um, I will so to that end though. I wanted to ask you guys your opinion about this because we're talking about like it's not. I don't think this book is like super interesting, but I will say one thing that. It, sets up that's possibly interesting and i definitely wanted to hear your opinion about it is the very last page has rita scorpina finster and goldar kind of you know they get sucked into you know the the space between universes and they're kind of floating around in there and we see these like crystal shards of all the different universes and rita even uses the the buzzword of all buzzwords nowadays the, the multiverse yeah she says that the multiversal focus is shattered and in those shards we see different versions of power rangers but interestingly enough because it really seems to me, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but the comic iteration of Godzilla seems like it's always been kind of locked in on the Heisei yeah. Godzilla visually. Yeah. And then here we actually see in you know comic form the Showa Godzilla, the Millennium Godzilla. And that made me wonder, yeah. oh, is, is, is IDW actually going to do, for the first time ever, like a Godzilla versus Godzilla book? Yeah, where the, the, G- the GM, different- I'm looking at it right now. You got the GMK Godzilla. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I was... 
I could see that happening. Um, yeah, and, and, because and, I know IDW's already done that with the, with the Ghostbusters, actually. They did a Ghostbusters book where the real Ghostbusters met the female Ghostbusters and the movie Ghostbusters. So it's like they've already got that idea in their head of like, oh, are the different iterations yeah, can be. And I, I mean, Godzilla fans are very strange in that uh, whatever is big they want to see Godzilla do that. So, I mean, right now with the MonsterVerse, you know, they're still, well, uh, uh, what about Phase 4? It's like, we ain't getting that far, guy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but also, yeah, I mean, the second um, uh, Into the Spider-Verse came out, and then f- even further, when No Way Home came out, you know, everyone was talking about, would you like to see, you know, a multiverse Godzilla thing? And blah, blah, blah. Um, if that is something anyone's going to do, it's probably best reserved to a comic book format. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really one, it's one of those things where I could see it being another just action figure fest kind of deal like this. Um, but, I mean, if, if, if they actually thought about it and, like, you know... The, you it, could it, do some cool yeah, things. Be, with, especially because like, there's different... You could have, you could have like, the Showa Godzilla, because he's more heroic, maybe be the hero, or... If you're gonna really go like full bore and bring in every version of Godzilla, you could have like Captain Majors. Um, yeah, the Hanna Barbera Godzilla versus Shun Godzilla. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the, because there's been so different iterations of Godzilla. If you really do something where you're juxtaposing two very different versions of the character, like you know, um, or like whatever, I you know, Showa Godzilla versus. Shin Godzilla, GMK Godzilla versus, you know, I don't know, whatever. I mean, if you do that and really play that up, it could be really interesting. But, you know, the you you need you need people that are going to resist the temptation to just literally, literally throw a up, bunch of Godzillas at each other. End up making it like 80 Godzillas versus 82 Ghidorahs and... yeah. That's what it would end up being. It could be a fun comic book. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we need that as a movie or anything, mm. but, you know, it, it leaves something to think about for sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, it's weird because, uh, like, I don't know. I want to say I wish there was more to it, but then I also, like... You know, it's like, okay, am I being that guy that's like, oh, you're just not, like, a kid <laughs> or whatever. No, I, I think I think it's okay to say like, um, yeah, it, it, it's weird. It, you you brought up Mario, but like it's 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 like fair to say like we've we've seen this or similar thing done in comic books better, um, and and it is this it's the same level of hell, Cullen Bunn did it better, frankly. Um, the, the Monsters Unleashed stuff. Like I said, I haven't read all of it. I've read, like, a couple of the issues of it. But but it is, like, got a little bit of character work to it. A little bit, uh, a little bit of story to it. Like, it's a good enough kind of story to it. Um, and it, it has an interesting enough tweak on it all. And... It it's possible to do a big kind of crossover type of thing. Now I know this Monsters Unleashed is all Marvel's own stuff, but like you can do 
a standalone little mini series that that is not connected to any specific interpretation or timeline or whatever, and it can still be good. Just and it doesn't, and it also doesn't have to be have like a deep story to it that's you know working on metaphorical levels and 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 symbolic levels and has you know a wealth of emotion to it it can be just fun with enough character work in it and just like the mario movie when i got out of that i was just like yeah there's nothing like really bad but it's just so safe it's so one note and i wish i could tell you anything about any of the characters walking out of it. It should also be like a book like this to be that level of fun. It should be sillier. So bird, you, you mentioned the thing about how I've talked before about my general problem with Kaiju comic books and you know, how the, the fights just aren't the same. They're not as dynamic in, in the drawn form. Now let me tell you what I think is the problem with the power Rangers comics I've read. And I think this book is at least slightly indicative of it as well as well. The, a lot. Every time I pick up a like Power Ranger comic and think I'll maybe, I'll, I'll try like a new one, be like, hey, I don't know, maybe this one's good. I feel like they're all written. They, I, mean, I know this is the case. They're all written by people our age who grew up with Power Rangers and are doing that thing now where they're saying like, well, I'm an adult. You know what I really liked about the Power Rangers was like the mythology, mm-hmm. the mythology and like how like real the stories are. So I feel like the like Power Rangers in comics, they're always trying so hard to make it like a serious comic. Yeah. And not really attuning to the fact that a lot of us liked Power Rangers because it was really stupid. <laughs> and, like, the stories were silly and there was, like, a corny sense of humor to the human scenes. And I feel like that's not explored in the comics as much. And they're always trying to make, like, them seem like a real badass superhero team with this, like, really deep mythology. And it's like, yeah, I, there's maybe, like, a market for that to a certain – but you should probably try having both. Yeah. And this book – like, that's what I mean. This book needed more scenes of, like – comedy with the Power Rangers 2 or something to, to tie into that and to separate it from the seriousness of the, the Godzilla destruction scenes. Yeah. That, no bulk and skull. No. <laughs> Why don't you have bulk and skull like grow kaiju size? And like <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's stuff like that can be done well where it's like, okay, I'm an adult and, uh, you know, here's a story that is an adult story for people who like this property, like we've, I mean, Tom and Matt, at least, you know, I mean, we've seen... Gangsters and Goliaths did that for Godzilla. Yeah, and we've seen takes like that on uh, with Ultraman, like I, Tom is currently enjoying Kamen Rider Black Sun, which is great, um, but yeah, with, with stuff like, you know, oh, Power Rangers comics, it's like, do that as like a, a graphic novel or something mm-hmm. outside the norm, you know, when it's... When it's that's your main line thing, then you know stuff like that. It, it can be a good one-off. You know, there's no need to do that. It, but I mean, I I don't know. I I was bored one day scrolling through the internet, and I stumbled onto like I don't know one of those clickbait sites, and it was like Power. It was like Power Rangers. It's one of those things where it like talks about the the IP as if it's a person. It was like Power Rangers confirms <laughs> X. <laughs> and 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 it was something about like uh the example they gave was a uh, one of the mo- modern comic books like getting into like Zordon talking with another character about you know trauma and how you know uh Power Rangers are basically child soldiers and you know they're growing up to have all these mental issues and it's like okay that's 
probably true <laughs> and an interesting spin or deconstruction, but it's like that shouldn't be in like Power Rangers issue 200 or something. That should be in like your limited series or Jesus Christ, I'm so brainwashed by streaming streaming services. Uh your your one shots or um or stuff something like that. Yeah, I mean the best the best Godzilla one shot and it's not even really a one shot. I think it was part of their bigger story. But the Gekaido Jin. Yeah, that yeah. Well yeah, that was like in the the continuity of the Dark Horse thing, but it was it was done as like a self contained yeah. one shot thing. That is fantastic. It's basically it has, Godzilla versus Daimajin, but without Daimajin. It has that like it, it's a it's a single issue and it has depth of emotion to it. So yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something that's for adults, then satisfy all the things that adults look for in their storytelling, which is you know, like characters and and depth. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna make smashy monster punch, that's fine. It's we we've had this conversation with the MonsterVerse movies too. If you're gonna make smashy monster punch movies, do it the Godzilla versus Kong way where you've got Kong rigsing his shoulder on buildings and scratching his butt and <laughs> Godzilla laughing. Don't do it the King of the Monsters way where you've got lore and you're you're think you're making this really important message, but you're like butchering it. You know? Um it's it's okay to be dumb trash throwaway entertainment, but recognize that's what you are, and just lean into it. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's almost like it's trying to satisfy two very different age groups instead of just sticking to one thing. Because you have all the callbacks, you have the, the Mighty Morphin characters that only old farts like us know, but then your storytelling is the action figure storytelling. And it's... Right. I don't know. Those things shouldn't coexist. <laughs> really. <laughs> um, anyway, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not... I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying not to get uh, uh, too too crazy with this uh, and go in too hard but i mean it's not like it's it's a quick read it can be an entertaining read i mean maybe if you do have kids i mean do what matt did and um i like i stupidly just read this alone <laughs> like <laughs> <I'm with> you. <laughs> you know i mean if you do have kids maybe use this as an opportunity to read with your kids like, or something it was a it was a very easy like six minute lay down in bed and and read it with your kid like you're yeah, that that's <laughs> probably gonna. It is be a your, good like re, like bet. I don't know about good, but like I love reading comics with my kids. Like at at bedtime, you you know you you sit down with them and you read one maybe two issues, and that's like the perfect amount of time to get them to settle down and and spend a little extra time with them. Yeah. Well, I don't have kids, and I read comics at night. So whatever, guys. <laughs> I also read comics by myself because I'm a desperately lonely person. <laughs> um, see if you're 
See if your local library has this in uh, in their digital edition and read it on your iPad. You'll it's on you, Hoopla. It'll take you fifteen seconds. Yeah, it's 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 on Hoopla, which like Hoopla has comics. has a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Not um, the best like format, but yeah. yeah but uh, Trev, I yeah, I do want to get back to you on the. Because, I don't know, I, I mean, you first said that to the thing about, you know, I don't think it's a genre that lends itself well to uh, to comic books. Like, you said that to me a long time ago, probably, like, as long, far back as I've known you, which is, like, I don't know, like, 15 years or something. Um, and uh, I, guess, I guess my question is, like, why, why do you think that is? Why do you think, you know, a fight between... Um, you know, uh, Superman and Metallo can be so dynamic on a comic book page, but you know, two giant giant monsters. Why do you think? What What do you think is the disconnect there? There's an easy, you? obvious answer to this. Um, so action is dynamic, and it re- relies on the the moving picture, right? Like when like it, uh, watching a kung fu movie is more exciting than seeing a kung fu fight drawn, obviously, because there's no movement when you're looking at it on the page. So, but you asked, okay, so then how can how, how can action in superhero comics be exciting? That's because superheroes have personalities, mm-hmm. and during the fight, they can talk to each other and have inner monologues, and they can express more emotion throughout the fight. So even though you're you have that limitation in a superhero book or a book with human characters, you're still able to also have, um, you know, like the physicality is offset by the actual emotion Mm -hmm. and the dialogue and the story. Uh, With Kaiju, that's more of a problem. This, I mean, so this goes back to another thing I've talked about in this podcast a lot is that my issue with a lot of Kaiju films is the human characters actually are important because the Kaiju themselves just kind of are animals fighting. And that's that can be very exciting and very fun, especially when it's like the practical effects, a man in suit. Um, and that's why I've always said I was less interested in CGI kaiju because it just becomes two CGI things fighting. Then, um, so in a, in a kaiju comic, when you don't have them talking, you don't have the word, you know, the thought balloons or anything. Then you really are just looking at static images of these two beasts punching each other and. Yeah. It's just it, it can't be as dynamic. Like don't get me like even in superhero books, I'm not a huge fan of superhero books where the whole issue is a is a is an action scene. I think this is the reason why modern comics have really leaned into more about the, this this the soap opera element of it and and having more scenes about just the characters, you know, their their interpersonal relationships in their lives because that's really where the storytelling is and that's where the drama is. It's a good answer. Um, and I, so the the. The books you recommended at the the top of the the show, those I take it are are more character. Well, but you should know you should know that the three I recommended, uh, except for like, well, Kaiju Max gives the kaiju personalities, and right? they so talk like, and stuff. So that's, they talk and yeah. stuff. They're like cartoon characters. And then the other three I mentioned, like Kaiju Scourge, Jenny Zero, and Big Girls, those are human characters yeah. again. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Good answers. Um, but okay, I mean, uh, so what? Uh, I mean. Uh, how many um, disappearing Mega Geruses do you guys want to <laughs> <Aww>. give, <laughs> give uh, Godzilla Rich. versus Power Rangers? Uh, I'll go first. I mean, I, I had a fun enough time. Like I said, at Landon enjoyed it. I will also say, like, I immediately, like, this is one of those things that's going to be in and out of my brain in, like, two days. 
So I'm going to come in at like a two and a half. Like it's fun enough for what it is. Um, but I, it like, I can't feel passionate about it in any way, shape or form. And I think that's kind of part of the problem. I'm, I'm basically just right there with you. I think it's okay. There's enough like silly fun to be had early on. Uh, then the art at least kind of carries you through, uh, it, you know, I, I, I do think if this was more than five issues and even five is already kind of pushing it, but if this was, if this was an ongoing, I'd, I'd be out, you know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree, Tom, <laughs> but you know, at, at five issues of like, I don't, I don't know. I'll probably throw it in my, in a, in a box and, and not think about it for 10 years and then pull it out and look, flip through the art again. Yeah. A two and a half feels right. When I get on Goodreads, I'm going to be torn on whether to give it a two or a three. Cause they don't, you do half stars. Um, but yeah, that's, it's like a two and a half. It's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's exactly where I am is two and a half. Um, for everything you guys said, like I think, like I said, if you have it on your shelf and you're a big fan of these properties, then the art is is kind of good enough to kind of open it back up and go like, oh yeah, I really like this art. But you're not going to remember this story; it's not going to stick with you, and it's 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 just so breezy of a read that you know maybe it is something you'd revisit every once in a while just for the hell of it, but it's not going to be anyone's favorite story. Two and a half sounds right. We're all aligned here. Um, I thought I was going to be the most negative at two and a half, but we're all on the same page. Um, I give it a two and a half. Uh, art's really cool. I mean, um, if if you're one of those people that just this is a crossover you've been waiting waiting for and just want to see these worlds interact and that's it, you know, you you'll probably have a good time with it. But uh, you know, I mean, it, it's not something that I would completely turn someone off from checking out. It's just you know. No, you're not getting into much, um, and uh, you know there. I guess you know maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity to to tell like a more interesting story. But um, you know, uh, if you just want a just constant fight, then there it is for you. The uh, the art is really, really the like a high point of it, uh, and you know as an art piece, it's pretty neat. Like Trev was saying, but that's all it's got going on. Yeah, I'll say, it's pretty telling that like if you you know if you ask me now offhand could I tell you these things no but if you ask me like you know oh let's do a review of um, like Godzilla in Hell you know in the future and we and we start talking through it and you you know you said like favorite moments like I'd be like oh in in issue number two on the third page there's this really great splash page of whatever right. If you ask me, like, my favorite moments of this, like, having it, like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like the Exilean uh, controller being an asshole to Rita a lot. You know, I mean, that stuff's kind of fun. But, yeah, I don't don't know if I can even remember, like, a specific about that. I just remember reading it and being like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there you go. Uh... Like I said, I mean, we'll we we do want to do more comic reviews, both Godzilla and you know other stuff, and uh, we'll get there. I, I mean, uh, we we get a lot of people asking, you know, when are we going to get to the Marvel and Dark Horse stuff, and so that's probably probably what we'll look at next. But 
Who knows? Um, anyway, uh, that's that's Godzilla versus Power Rangers. Um, anyone have any uh, comments, concerns, emotional outbursts to get get through before signing off here? All right, your silence says it all. Um, all right, so uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.